If you've got your Bibles and you want to read along with me, uh, you can turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter 8 for just a moment. Again, to the book of Jeremiah chapter 8, and we'll read here in just a moment, one verse, if we may. I know and I'm familiar with the fact that I, I ask quite a bit of questions about things. One of my thoughts is, is that usually when there's a question, it makes us ponder about some things. Now, when I ask a question, it's not because I want answers. It's just I want you to self-evaluate things. There's this idea that we see in the education world about conceptual learning. And and all that means is, if you answer the right question to a problem, the idea is, how did you get the answer? So when you ask yourself, and when all these questions are being asked, and you answer that, you say, well, how did you get to that point? Or, how can you keep from getting to that point? It's almost like this. If you ask a student what their answer was and it's wrong, you go back and look at the process by which they did and they can fix it so they don't get it wrong the second time. So this morning when we ask questions, one, if things are right, what brought you to the place where things are right? Or even let's go to another part. Maybe if things are not right in your life or certain aspects of our life, then we ask ourselves, what has brought us to that? Now I'm not saying things others can control, the things that we can control. But there's a question that comes from the book of Jeremiah chapter 8 that I want to ask you this morning. Jeremiah chapter 8, and let's skip down to the 6th verse. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. Notice what he says here in this 8th chapter in the 6th verse. He says, no man repented him of his wickedness, saying, nobody asked this question. What have I done? In other words, there's no self-reflection. There's no pondering anything. The question is, it says, No man repent of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own course as a horse rusheth into battle. My thought this morning comes from the center part of that, the very question, What have I done? What have you done? What have you done with this day? What have you done with yesterday? What have you done with all the things that are set before us? What have we done? And here's the sad part of this. When the question is, it said, God, and here Jeremiah is just, he's, he's lamenting and he's troubled over the state that the Jews had gotten into. And, and he wanted them to just to ask themselves, what have I done? He said, but instead, he said, he says, everyone turns to his course. Now, a course just means a path. Let me ask you something do you believe in today? Do you believe that there's a path by God versus there's a path by evil and wickedness? In other words, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is death. In other words, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but there's also the path of God. If you don't believe in two paths, read Matthew chapter 7. It talks about two paths. We don't all of the time want to admit or understand the fact of we have decisions, we have choices in our life. So when I ask you this morning, what have I done? That would be just that. For he said all they've done is they've gone after their own horse. And you know what it's like to go into battle. If you go into a battle, you are in a dangerous territory. Folks, when we, when we ask these questions this morning about what have we done, we have to realize is that if we haven't done what's right, we are in a dangerous or even a bad situation. 
The book of Hebrews, if I can turn over and read for just a minute. Hebrews chapter 10. If you want to turn over and read for just a minute. Hebrews chapter 10, let's turn to the 26th verse. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So what have you done with Jesus? That's what I ask you this morning. Do you believe that Jesus is available to forgive sins? Yes, he is. Notice what he says there. But a certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot the Son of God. In other words, what have you done with Jesus, which is the Son of God? He said, there are some people that have trodden him under the foot of man. Let me ask you this morning, what have you done with Jesus? Have you trodden him under your feet? That's not a good place to be in, to trodden the, uh, the very Son of God under the very uh, foot of man. It says, he hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. The 31st verse says this, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You see, I want to go back for just a minute. When we talk about here in the book of Hebrews how that there are some people that take the Son of God and throw him under the feet of men. You may say, no preacher, I believe in holding him up, not casting him under the foot of men. In the Old Testament, when there was a, a time of, of sacrifice and when the death angel was passing through, that they would take the blood and they would put the blood. If you can see a door up here uh, to your right and to my left, there's kind of what we would call the threshold, which is the floor. And then you've got a side, a top, and a bottom. But you see, they would take the blood and they would put it over the door post and they would put it around there, but they never would put it on the ground because the blood of Jesus should never be trampled upon. You see, today I ask you the question, what have you done with Jesus? Pilate, I believe, even asked him the, the very question that he asked there. He says, what shall I do with the one that is called the Christ? So this morning I ask you a question, what are you going to do with Jesus? I want to tell you something, folks. Jesus is here this morning. I feel him here this morning. We're going to talk about his Holy Spirit in a minute. But Jesus is here. His love, his kindness, and his compassion is found at Shallow Missionary Baptist Church. What are you going to do with Jesus? When the question come up right here in the very beginning of Jeremiah chapter 8, it says, What have I done? Not only do I say unsaved people, what are you going to do with Jesus? But saved people, what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to take him and box him up and maybe put him somewhere that you can control him? Are you going to tell Jesus, say, you know what, Jesus, you're here with us at Shallow this morning. You're in my life, but I want you to sit on this pew. And when I get up and leave, it's like a parent would tell the child, now you sit right here and don't move an inch. I got told that many times. That's what children sometimes are told to do. You sit right here. Folks, what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to tell him to sit right here? Don't you go out in this world with me. Don't you go out there and help me fight uh, the good fight of faith. Are we going to tell Jesus to stay here? Or are we going to invite him along with us? People want Jesus in their life, but maybe not necessarily in their homes. Folks, we need Jesus in our life. 
We need Jesus in our churches. We need him in our homes. We need him in our jobs. We need him in our families. Everywhere we go, we need Jesus. And the question is, what have I done? Have we invited him in or have we pushed him away? Sometimes it's well documented that, that, that the Lord would just keep pushing you away, push him away. Let me tell you something. There's a difference in a government or maybe even businesses pushing God away versus an individual doing that. It's well documented, you know, about prayer in school and how I got pushed out. Folks, let me tell you something. You can pray in school. You can. And I'm not talking about an audible prayer, but prayer is from the heart. And what I'm saying is, is that we feel like that if somebody else's convictions and practices need to reflect us, but the truth is, we can still do things. We still have this. But what have I done? Sometimes we get this defeated attitude and, and demeanor that we cannot overcome that. But notice what he says. He says, uh, when, when the question comes up with Jeremiah, what have I done? Let me read you, if I may, in the book of Micah, chapter 6, and in verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. I believe this morning that we're going to see that God desires that we take his son Jesus with us everywhere we go. Not that we just pull him out when we desire, that we just want to pull him out because we have a need in our life, but that we're willing to pull him out and use him, and I say pull him out, but that we might be able to have him with us all along the way because we need him. So the question this morning is, what have I done? Not only what have you done to Jesus, but what have you done to his church? What do you believe in his church? You know, sometimes we think the message of people is going to be ignored or we, we don't have to listen to that. Folks, there's a difference in a person telling you a message and a church telling you a message. For I want to remind you of something. When the Lord left, He gave a commission to His church. The authority and the power has never been given to an individual. It was given to the church. Folks, I believe the church has a message today. And the message is that Jesus saves. And I still believe in that today. And I pray that you do too. That Jesus still saves. Notice here in the book of Matthew chapter 16. If the Lord has saved our soul. Have we taken up our cross and we united with the church? What have we done with the church? Are we ignoring the message? Or do we get too, uh, do we get too critical saying, Well, that's just not my style. Or that's just not my way. And folks, let me tell you. It's not a message from me. These are messages that come from God. These are what He would have. Matthew chapter 16. Notice what He says down in the 18th verse. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock one I will build my church. Folks, today there's only one. There's only one. There's that one and that is Jesus Christ. And you know what? Every New Testament church that still proclaims the gospel today, it's going to be built on Jesus. So when we ask, what have you done with Jesus? We ask, what have you done with the church? He says, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word hell means Death. One of the more disturbing phrases I hear now is people saying, Well, that church is dying out. 
Folks, the church today that has the presence of the Lord in it is not going to, quote, die out. We are still going to thrive. We are still alive. And we still feel the presence of the Lord. You know what? The number may not be uh, 100,000 people in a service. But you know what? It's not about how many people gather together. It's about what you feel. And we see here when you say, what have you done with Jesus? What are you doing with the church? For so many people, I, I can't tell you, one of the highest things that, that, that humbles me more than anything else is when people come in and they say, I feel the Lord here. I almost want to say, you mean to tell me there's places you go and you don't feel the Lord? How, how deprived people are that they go out in all these places and they do not feel the Lord. Folks, I want to tell you something. I thank God that what I do at the church is I take a, a, a full, a, I guess you would say, a gratitude in the fact that God has allowed me to be a part of his church I've united with his church I'm a part of his church and I can feel the Lord here and that's why he said he said that this church is not going to die out he said she's still going to stand but notice what he said I love this about the church what are you going to do with the church you know if I was to reach in my pocket and I was to give you a set of keys that says it unlocks that door uh, out front you can keep those keys in your pocket but that door is not going to lock until you apply it you see what today the church has been given something We've been given keys. And notice what he said. And I will give unto him the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he said, I'm going to give it to you. He says, you're going to be able to open up things nobody else can open up. You know what I believe today? A true New Testament church. There's things that happen here you're not going to see everywhere else. Why? This is the Lord's church. And notice what he said. He said, and whatsoever you bind on earth, he said, I want you to know that what you're doing on this earth, he said, there's a record of it being kept in heaven. Folks, today I believe that when a soul is saved, I believe there's a record being kept in heaven. I believe when we worship and serve him here, I believe that there's a record being kept in heaven. Notice what he said. And he said, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, <coughs> talking about here how, this, how you, 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 you collect these things, and what's allowed and what's not allowed, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You see, I believe that it's important that we're a member of the Lord's church. And I believe it's important that we realize is that, you know what? I thank God to be a part of a place that what we are, we, we're dropping anchor uh, up in heaven. And you see what? When we drop that anchor in heaven, we are anchored in the very rock of ages, Jesus Christ. He is what we cling to. He is what we hold on to. So I ask you this morning, not only what have you done with Jesus, what have you done with the church? What have you done with the church? Do we just want to, to admire the church or do we want to be a part of the church? Do we want to try to, um, to worship and serve him? But probably is, is important of a question I'll ask you this morning. When I ask you there um, in the book of Jeremiah, when the question come up, uh, what have I done? I want to ask you another question. What have you done with the Spirit of God? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I believe it is in verse 19, says, Quench not the Spirit of God. What have you done with the Spirit of God? Well, preacher, I hope the person besides me gets submissive to the Lord because I just get blessed by what somebody else does. And I believe in that. Let me say that. But I also believe that sometimes God will speak to us and what we're going to do. If you're here and you've never been saved, what are you going to do with the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God is upon you and showed you your lost condition. What are you going to do? And that's why we see there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says that we are not to quench the Spirit of God. Of God. Why? Because the Spirit of God is what leads us to God. The Spirit of God is what draws us closer to Him that we might uh, be able to, to be saved, but then after we're saved that we can live a fruitful life. Which reminds you of the scripture found in Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 
22. But the fruit of the Spirit. What are you going to do with the Spirit? Lost people, what are you going to do? Saved people, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Notice what he says. Joy. We could talk about all each one of these for a long time. Brings joy in our life. Peace in our life. Long-suffering in our life. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. Against there is against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections, with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So this morning, to those of you that are here, what are you going to do with the Spirit of God? Do you kind of want to repel the Spirit of God saying, you know what, I'm glad that you're here, but don't change my life. Let me just go somewhere else. Let me tell you something, folks. The Spirit of God can and will change your life. I'll tell you what else. For the saved people, too, the Spirit of God can change our day today. I have no clue what kind of day you've had today, but I can tell you this, if the Spirit of God gets in it, it'll change our day. The Spirit of God becomes a part of our life. And what are we going to do with the Spirit of God? It's almost like we're dumbfounded. We have something, but what am I going to do? The whole purpose is not to sit and admire, but it is to apply. Jesus and the keys that He gives us and all these things He gives to the church, what are we going to do? And here He talks about how that we're supposed to take the Spirit of God and we're supposed to have the Spirit of God applied to our lives that we might live a fruitful life for Him. So what about you this morning? Do you believe that God wants to bring fruit in your life? Some people say, well, preacher, I just don't understand why this is not coming or this is not happening or whatever. But do we truly take the Spirit of God and apply it and use God's presence in our life? Or is it one of those things that we say, God, your Holy Spirit's with us this morning, but why don't you stay at the church house and I'm going to go out here to my home and then to my jobs or then to my family and then we'll just uh, kind of do this on our own. Folks, we need Him. We need His presence. We need Him with us everywhere because He said when we do, the fruits of these things are going to happen and they're all going to happen on their own timetable, their own way, God said, that you're going to experience this love and joy and peace and long-suffering. He said, these things happen when we allow the Spirit of God to take control of our lives. Now, if you'll also notice in one of the verses that we've read to you this morning now, how that we have to crucify the flesh and die to the flesh. So this morning I ask you this, what are you going to do with the Spirit? Are you going to wake up in the morning and let the Spirit of God take control of your day? Or do you just want to say, okay, why don't you stay about two steps behind me and when I need you, you're going to be close by and you can step right up here. Folks, we don't need the Spirit of God about two steps behind us, if you will. We need the Spirit of God leading us along the way. And I'll say this, sometimes the people get too far in the distance they, we can't see where they're at. Folks, today may we stay hand in hand with the Spirit of God. Wherever the Spirit of God takes us, may we be willing to go. That's why I will tell you over and over again, probably every single service, if you've got something you need to say, I want you to say it. At any time you feel compelled to come in an altar and you feel like you need to pray, I'm going to tell you to do that. If you feel like the Lord says you need to unite with the church, don't wait on us to give an invitation. Why? Because it's all about God opening up the doors. It's about His Spirit. For you see today, His Spirit is more important than and our opportunities that we give. Sure, we give opportunities. I'm not against those. But I'm saying this is that God's Spirit is, is greater than anything else. So this morning, I ask you, not only what are you going to do with the church? The church is assembled together. We're preaching Jesus and we're declaring a gospel to a lost and a dying world. We're telling you this morning, if you don't repent, you're going to perish. God's Spirit is hovering and moving amongst us. But what are you going to do with that this morning? 
Are you going to try to ride it out like it's a bad storm that if I can just hold on a little longer that it's going to die down? Folks, we don't need the Spirit of God to die down in our lives. We need the Spirit of God strong in our lives. But how many times as saved people do we grab a hold of a pew saying, Lord, help me to ride out the moving of your Spirit? Folks, I don't, I don't know whether I should tell you this, but I will. I pray all the time the Lord would help us to let go of the pews and be free of the Lord. Why? Because that's when we enjoy His presence, when we all just get free in the Lord. And, and you know, and the, and the world may look at us and think, man, that was kind of out of order. That was out of line. You know what I've learned about the Spirit of God? That when the Spirit of God is in a service and the Spirit of God is in what you're doing, there is never anything out of line. There's never anything out of order. It's going accordance to what God wants. And you know what? I'm glad today that we come in and we can do whatever you feel like you need to do. Sure, we have some structure. Sure, we have organization in what we do. But I also believe in this, that God's Spirit needs to have His way with you this morning. Do you feel like there's something you need to do this day? Or do you feel like today uh, that you're just going to try to ride out the storm, if you will? You're going to hold on a little longer and lost people's going to say, let me just get out of here. That's what I used to say all the time. Lord, let me just get to the song of invitation. Song of invitation lasts three minutes. They sing another, they talk for a minute, sing another one. I don't know, probably for 10 minutes. If I could just hold on for 10 minutes, I could get out of there. And you know what? Uh, sometimes I'm afraid that as church people, we get like it. Lord, let me just ride out this moving of your presence in our life. And then maybe we can ride it out long enough that you won't stir in our hearts. Folks, we need a stirring of God in our lives. We need a stirring here this morning. We need a stirring uh, tomorrow morning and Thursday morning and Saturday morning, every day of the week. We need a stirring of the presence of God. So what are you going to do with His Spirit that you feel? But as we read to you there in Jeremiah chapter 8, it says, What have I done? It says, Everyone turned to his own course, and the horse rusheth into the battle. What have I done and what have you done? What have we done to the Word of God? How important is the Word of God for you? You know, sometimes people, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like it's a, a, an accomplishment. If we can buy a fancy Bible and use it as, a, as, as decorations in our houses. And don't get me wrong, I don't have no problem with fancy Bibles that are decorations. But folks, Bibles were not meant to get dusty. They were meant to get worn. You know, the Bible is not meant to be something that we look upon and just admire, but it's meant to be opened up and consumed. You know, I, I marvel at people that say, well, preacher, there was a time in my life I couldn't read, so you know what? They had somebody read it for them. Or maybe somebody now has taken it where they've, they've put it on their, their technology and they'll listen to it. It's people that are hungry for God's Word. They're not looking for excuses. They want God's Word and they want to take it and they want to apply it to their life. So this morning, what do you want to do with God's Word? Do you just want to say that it exists or do you want it to be applied to your life? For in the book of Isaiah, I'm going to read you some verses if I may. Isaiah chapter 55. Uh, if I can read to you for just a moment. Isaiah chapter 55. And let me read to you if I can. Uh, the 10th verse. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but it watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth bud. In other words, something is heaven sent and it makes it grow. That it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen to the 11th verse. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Folks, I am thankful today to be a part of a place that the words that we hear are not our words. Amen. They're the words of God. 
They're his words. You know, I, a man made a comment one time. and said, preacher, you just don't get up there and talk about a whole lot of extra. You, 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 just, you, you, you preach the Bible. And, and I really want to say, is there anything else to preach besides the Bible? There's nothing else that's going to touch a soul. The commentary and my theologies, they're not going to affect the lives of anybody. But his words will transform people. His word today will stand against anything else. And just like the, the rains that would come down out of heaven and make things grow, he said, every word that proceeds out of my mouth, he said, he says, it shall not return unto me void. What does he mean by that? He said, it's not going to be empty. It's going to accomplish something. What are you going to do with the Word? We, we, we read the Word before our Sunday school lesson. We study the Word during our Sunday school lesson. We preach the Word during our worship service. But you know what? I pray that more than those three times in a week that we have the Word of God. I cannot tell you how many times I've been somewhere and the Word of God just comes up in my heart. It's, just, it's not that I can quote it, but it just comes up with, with scriptures that God gives me. And you know what? Sometimes I'll sit down and I'll read a few verses and, and, and some kind of a devotion or whatever. But you see today, God's Word is meant to be applied. But you know what I'm afraid of is a lot of people read the Bible like they would a newspaper, thinking it's not going to talk to them, that there is no feeling in them. Folks, today, if we read the Bible like it is a newspaper or magazine, uh, then we have missed the mark. For I want to tell you, this Word is not just mere materials. It is a living Word. The Word of God is meant to be felt. The Word of God is meant for us to stir us and to trouble us. And I'm going to be confessing to you this morning, sometimes it will chastise you, but it reminds me that I'm a fleshly man, uh, that I here I am in a, a fleshly body trying to live, uh, and let the Spirit of God take control of my life. But you you see, God's Word is meant to give us. And He said, if we will just let His Word come out, He said, it will not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Well, that's where it really gets good for us this morning. You know what? There's been times in my life that I've, that I've read a scripture. I've seen a scripture posted somewhere, and it's, it's just plain as nothing. But you know what? Sometimes the circumstances of my life change, and all of a sudden I read that scripture, and I mean, son, it will dig deep down inside of me, and it will strike a very uh, stirring in my soul. You know what? Today, God's word, I pray that sometimes maybe some verses may not hit with you, but I pray that there's times in our life that God just keep stirring deep down inside of us and that it's going to prosper and it's going to accomplish that which he pleases and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. What are you going to do with the word of God? What are you going to do with prayer this morning? I know we talked about that, I don't know, maybe last week or recently. John chapter 15, notice what he says. John 15 and verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, there comes those words again, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. I want to ask you a hard question on top of what are you going to do with your prayer life. What are you going to do when God says no? Is anybody here, you don't have to raise your hand, anybody here ever, God ever said no? We ask for things and sometimes it doesn't happen. Now, in that, we, we trust God. We know that you're going to give what's best for us. But how are we going to feel to derive at that point? That's always a tough question. Lord, it hurts. These things are, are, are hard for us to, 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 to face in our life. I believe that there's a difference in being disappointed with God and being disappointed in God. 
Sometimes we get disappointed in the circumstances of our life that they're not different than what they are. And I can tell you all about mine and all you can tell me all about yours. But I can tell you this. I might get disappointed in some of the circumstances of my life. But I have never been disappointed in being in Jesus Christ. I've never wanted out of that. I've never wanted to say, Lord, I wish I were never saved. That has never happened to me. I've always been thankful, Lord. I know the circumstances in my life may not be what they want, but I'm glad that my soul is exactly what it needs. I'm saved. I belong to you. So I ask you this morning, what are we going to do with our prayer life? Are we going to ask the Lord to, uh, to help us and to be what uh, we should be? Or are we going to ask the Lord to, uh, to give us the strength that we need along life's way? What are we going to do with, the, with our prayer life today? What are we going to do? What are we going to do when the Lord says no? What are we going to do when the Lord says not right now? The Bible says, ask and it shall be given to you. What you're seeking is peace. And God can give peace knowing He has heard. Folks, I don't know anything any more peaceful than saying a prayer to God just knowing He heard you. It, and you know what happens when you get your heart in the right condition? You surrender to God. Not, God, this is the way you're going to do it. You surrender to God saying, God, you've heard what my concern is. God, you felt my hurt. God, you feel where I, I, I have my struggles at. I'm trusting in you. And you know what? That's a different way. Sometimes we want to say, God, this is the way it's going to be. You know what, folks? That's no, no humility in that. It's us saying, God, you know my hurts. God, you know my darkness in the light. God, you know what I stand in need of. And you know what God will do? He'll let you know he's heard you. So this morning, what are we going to do with all of these things? But what are we going to do today is being a soul winner for the Lord. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. A great fear I may have is that the blind's leading the blind. And they'll both fall into a ditch. Are we... Are we, is, what have I done is the question that we've asked this morning. What have we done today with uh, the Lord and, 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 and being a soul winner for Him? What have we done? But I ask you here this morning, I want to close in just a minute. If you're here and you've never been saved, I know I've asked you, what are you going to do with the Holy Spirit? What are you going to do with a lot of things? But now that you've heard a warning go out that if you die lost in your sins, hell's going to be your home, what are you going to do with that warning? What are you going to do? Proverbs 27th chapter of the book of Proverbs says this, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. If you're here and you've never been saved this morning, what are you going to do with the warning that's gone out? I remember reading that history teaches us that in 1969, there was a hurricane by the name of Camille. Second largest one, I think, most powerful. Actually, maybe the largest one that ever hit landfall. is down around the Biloxi, Mississippi area. And there's a story about the police chief that went to the house. Police chief went to the house and he asked him, he said, he said, there's a storm coming, you need to go. And they said, no, no, they were, they were going to ride it all out. And he asked for the nearest of kin and he rolled them all down. They laughed at him as he left and all 20 people perished because they refused to heed the warning about the upcoming storm because they thought they could endure. Today, what are you going to do? You've been warned. And one of the greatest warnings goes out here in the book of Amos chapter 4 and in verse 12. 
Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. There's one thing that I can tell every one of you here you need to do. You need to prepare to meet God. So what are you going to do? As we read to you there in the book of Jeremiah. It says, I hearkened and I heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness. In other words, they heard it. They felt it. They saw it. They experienced it. But they did absolutely nothing with it. And it says, nobody asked themselves, what have I done? So everyone just turned his own course. And his horse rusheth into the battle. Today, what have I done? What have you done? What have we done? What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with the church? What have you done with the Holy Spirit? What have you done with your prayer life? All these things that we talked to today, what have you done? And I'm going to close. If you remember, we ask a questions not because we're looking for right answers. It's but for you to ask your own self. One, if you've got a good answer, the right answer, a peaceful answer, how did you get there and how can you stay there? Maybe if things are not the way you want them, then how can you change your course to get there? God bless you this morning. I want us to get us a song uh, this morning if we could. What have you done? Sometimes I'll get together with some folks that are working and they're all just a working and laboring and cutting and hammering and nailing and I can just sit there and watch them. So when I ask myself, one, I can say I haven't done what they've done, but I can also say I haven't done anything. But then there's also that person they can work as hard as they can, but their gears are just a little bit slower, but they've done all they can. So the difference is not about how much we've done. It's about what's our heart behind what we're doing. This morning, what have you done? That's a question I asked myself, and I pray that you would ask you this morning. By the chance, if you'll stand and sing the song you picked out.